welcome to the Moonshots Podcast. It is a very atomic episode 85. I'm your co-host, Mike Parsons, and as always, I'm joined by Mr. Atomic himself, Mr. Mark Pearson Freeland. Good morning, Mark. Good morning, Mike. What a beautifully wintry Sydney day. It's the perfect day to get ourselves into creating new habits, new intentions, new systems in place. I'm, I'm excited for today. How are you feeling? Well, I'm, I'm just love. I mean, we are, we are talking about a subject today that is very dear and close to my heart, Mark. So don't hold back any further. Why don't you share with our audience who we're going to be diving into? What atomically amazing author will we meet today? The atomic author an innovator of episode 85 is none other than Mr. James Clear, who is one of the leading experts around the world on formation of habits. He's very, very mm. good at distilling those complex and sometimes difficult to uh, understand uh, behaviors and goals right down into really, really simple, actionable day-to-day tips and tricks. And you're right, Mike, yeah. there's a wealth of information we can learn from Mr. Clear, and I can't wait to get into the show. But you, you know yeah. James very well. You've you've read a number of his books. You, uh, I know that there's a lot of tips that you've actually said in the past in our show that I think are coming from some of James's work. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, more than anything, um, you know, I discovered this idea of habit formation um, and this idea of incremental gains every single day. Um, so in my, in my to-do list, um, every single day, I have a ton of daily recurring uh, rituals and habits that I've picked up over the years that I try to kind of collect and curate together to try and uh, be just a little bit better every single day. And I'll tell you why I think James Clear and his book Atomic Habits is so important and so relevant, particularly today as we find ourselves in a sort of, you know, quarantine, work from home kind of new normal. I think what James Clear's thinking will do for us in this show is demonstrate that we don't have to feel this incredible burden when we have an ambitious goal. Um, as uh, is the wisdom, you break it down into small parts um, and you work on it incrementally, com- compounding your effort every single day. And I love this idea. It has been really transformative uh, for me uh, in trying to tackle my goals, my hopes, my aspirations of myself and to be as good as I damn well can be. And that's what I think is in store for all of our listeners today. You and I are going to break down a, a truly ah, such an articulate author who's got such a clear line of thinking. I truly believe he's packaged his work as good as Simon Sinek. So throughout the show today, our listeners are in for a bevy of tips around mindset, uh, behavior, and habit creation. We're going to delve into some of the data behind his insights and understand the importance and the role that habit design can play in our lives, Mark. So, chock-a-block, a a lot of good clips today, right? Oh, I can't wait. You've got me going. I I can't wait to hear not only from James, but I want to hear more about the little tips and tricks that you do. Uh, Already, you've sparked my imagination as to what I can put into my life, you know, beyond episode 85. So, I'm ready to get started, Mike. Where are we going to begin with James Clear? Well, I think it's important that we should mention that this is part of our new habit series of which Wim Hof came with a very icy recommendation of a cold shower. And um, if you will, if that was the awakening, James Clear brings us into the, the sunny bit of the day. After the cold, icy start from Wim Hof, we are learning all about Uh, behaviors and habits. And we've got plenty of other uh, good clips, not only for this show, but we will be um, rounding out the the habit design series uh, with a couple of really interesting guys, Charles Duhigg with The Power of Habit 
and William H. McRaven, Make Your Bed. So there's a lot, lot more to come. And before we hit our lovely global audience with the first clip, Mark, we should tell them if they want to go and dig up some of the archive, where would you have them go? I'd, I'd suggest creating a new habit, a daily reminder for all of our listeners to go and check out www.moonshots.io. You'll find all 84 archive shows available there. We've got Simon Sinek. We've got Cal Newport. We've got Jim Collins. We've got Brené Brown. The list goes on. You've got transcripts for a lot of the shows, all of our show notes, as well as a tease of who we're going to be covering in the coming weeks. And I'll tell you mm. what, we've got some pretty big shows lined up. I'm pretty excited. We do indeed. But let's put our attentions, let's go deep, let's go atomic, and let's start with James Clear really getting to the heart of things and telling us why habits are so important. Each behavior casts a vote for the type of person that you want to become. And if you cast enough votes for that type of identity, you start to believe that about yourself, right? Like if you you go to church for 20 years, you believe that you're religious. You study Spanish every Tuesday for 30 minutes, you believe that you are studious. Um, So in that way, your habits provide evidence of your desired identity. And I think that that is probably the ultimate reason that habits are so important. It's true, like habits can help you earn more money or be more productive or lose weight. Um, And all that stuff is great. But in addition to the external results that habits provide, they also shape your sense of self. They like are the, the engine or the avenue through which you learn to believe things about yourself. Like sometimes people will say stuff like, fake it till you make it. But fake it till you make it is asking yourself to believe something without evidence for it. And you can do that for a little while. You could do it for a day or a week. But eventually, I mean, there's a word for beliefs that don't have evidence behind them. It's delusion, right? Mm-hmm. And if you're deluding yourself, then eventually you give up on that. But the power of doing a better habit each day or casting a little vote for that type of person is that now you have evidence to root your belief in. Yeah, and so now I've done it for six up, months, yeah. Right? Like, I mean, now you have a lot of evidence that you're a podcaster or a right. good interviewer. You know, like you do this over and over again. Each time you cast a vote for believing that about yourself. And you don't just, you aren't delusionally believing that you're a good interviewer. It's because you've shown up and done it hundreds of times. Right. Um, and so I think that that's true for any habit, large or small that they provide evidence of the desired identity or the, the type of person that you are. Mm. Starting the show with a great revealing clip, defining what is a habit. For me, I, I like James's um, reference to the fake it till you make it uh, adage. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I think we've all, we're all familiar with that. But what James is calling out here, which for me is, is really, really nice, is that um, empowerment rather than faking it, which ultimately is fake. Instead, take ownership yourself and start to believe in what you're trying to do. Uh, You know, it reminds me a little bit of Mark Cuban telling us about passion and how you don't necessarily go out and uh, be disappointed if you haven't reached your dream job. Instead, make what you're doing right now that passion. And I think I'm starting to see that little bit of... uh, uh, symbiosis, I think, with with what James Clear is saying here, which is, you know, give yourself the evidence that you can make it by creating that new positive habit. Mm. He's he, yeah. To build on that, I think what he's really connecting is that the behavior supports the belief, which supports the behavior, which so, which supports the belief, and you get this compounding where you keep repeating positive behaviors that give you a more positive belief in yourself. I mean, it's just the classic one when you know you should go to the gym, you're a bit tired, but you go and you feel good after. Yes, you've got that post-workout buzz going, but somewhere deep inside us, we somehow prove to ourselves we are the person we thought we are. We did put in the effort and we can enjoy the reward. So I think there's a really powerful thing there. Even if you just say you're starting on a workout routine, you want to get a bit healthy, and you just say, I'm going to walk for 10 minutes a day, Um, knowing that you did that supports the belief that you can and want to be a healthy person. And then you know what, and this is so good, what we're going to discover over the rest of the show, 
is this becomes quite a continuous journey. And maybe the following week you say, I'm going to work for 11 minutes or maybe 12 minutes and do this 1% better every day, every week, time after time. And the results can be so transformative. And what's so beautiful about this, Mark, is it's just breaking down such big, lofty ambitions, goals, and just making it a practical thing you can do today. And I think that is just a taste of what's to come uh, throughout the show where we've got a lot of mindset, a lot of behavior tips, getting into some of the data, some some of their research. So if you're out there listening, you should dig into this because it is um, just, there is just so much good stuff here. I'm a big James Clear fan, and I'm hoping that we can learn out loud together uh, no matter where you are around the world. And uh, Mark, we, we keep having new listeners joining us from all around the world. We have three new countries that have started tuning into the show, getting us onto the top 100 charts. What global United Nations are we building here, Mark? Who do we welcome to the show today? This week, we're uh, welcoming in with open arms all of our listeners from Mexico, Austria, and Slovakia. Thank you so much for listening to us, everybody. We really, really uh, love seeing your different uh, cities and countries appearing on our our map every week, (laughs) every couple of days. And it's only down to you, our listeners, at spreading the word, um, sharing the episodes, but also leaving us a a friendly rating or review or getting in touch with us. We'd love to hear from all of our listeners. And let's be honest, we have to put the challenge out to our listeners. We have some of the most amazing listeners all around the world with crazy, crazy uh, handles and user tags. I think Beef Bouillon, he, I mean, he's he's in the clear lead, but are there any other great user names uh, from all the recent feedback that we've had that stick in your mind, Mark? For me, it was our, our, our very uh, lovely listener from Bataan, uh, Dragon on Wheels. He gets, oh, Dragon on Wheels. He, he gets my, uh, my vote personally. <laughs> well, I know what gets my vote is... Uh, this intersection between mind and body. So no matter whether you're in Mexico, Austria, Slovakia, or anywhere on this wonderful planet, let's dive into the world of author James Clear and his book, Atomic Habits. Let's give a nod to the star of our previous show, Wim Hof. Let's see about one of my absolute favorite topics, which is the relationship between mind and body. I think there are a few core habits that are going to serve everybody and certainly serve me well. So exercise is a huge one. Um, I don't do it daily, but I exercise, I train four times a week. Yeah. And I feel like if I didn't exercise, I don't know that I would be an entrepreneur. Like, I don't know if I could handle the psychological roller coaster without the physical outlet. Yeah. The release, the, you probably feel that as like an athlete too, you know, like I, for uh, being an athlete for so many years, I feel like I need to push myself physically in addition to mentally. If it's just mental, it doesn't do it for me. I I need to have a physical outlet. So exercise, exercise is one. The other, the ultimate meta habit is reading because if you build a habit of reading, you can solve pretty much any other problem. You know, you want to learn how to be a better podcaster. You can read about that. You want to learn how to meditate. You can read about that. You want to learn how to make more money. You can read about that. Um, and so what you need is to develop a habit of reading and then whatever problem you're facing at the time, you can, you have a method for solving that. The interconnectedness, the formula, the equation of physical plus mental. I, it reminds me when I was growing up, um, where instead of forcing yourself to revise, to read books, to write essays, and it's still true in my career and and work life at the moment, forcing myself to write maybe pitches or consider products. You've got to balance that with a physical uh, exercise or whether it's, well, it could be in a number of different ways, but almost that kind of exhaust. You've got to Mm. put everything of your mind into a product, into a bit of uh, work, into a deliverable, but at the same time, balance it with focusing your body at you know, getting rid of that energy as well. And mm. it feels very, very um, appropriate to pair it 
you know, James Clear's book along with Vim, as you've pointed out, because Vim was very focused on body, mind, and James is giving us these good tips on creating new habits. It feels like a great, great little pair here. Mm. I must say that the, the thing about exercise is it um, directly relates to how you think. Like, don't you have the feeling, Mark, that after you've done some really good aerobic exercise, don't you just feel, feel more clear-headed? Well, it brings me back to last week's episode. You said after a good cold shower, you have this feeling of electricity running through your mm. body. And for me, I get that when I've exercised, as I'm sure a lot of our listeners do. When you've been for a long run or you've done some great hot yoga or some stretching even, you've got all that blood moving around your body. And I believe that that's what stimulates your brain into mm. thinking about problems more, finding good mm. solutions. And I personally, I don't know about you, Mike, but I don't think I'm at my best when I haven't exercised in the morning. I need to I, exercise. I totally, I yeah. totally agree. Yeah. yeah. Do you get grumpy when you don't exercise in the morning? Like by lunchtime, are you just a grumpy? Yeah, I, I actually feel pretty sluggish. If anything, yeah. ironically, I feel more tired in the morning or during the day when I haven't yes. worked out first thing. Yes, I do too. So at a minimum for me, it would be about trying to fit in 20 minutes of stretching and using the roller if I can't, for whatever reason, exercise uh, due to time constraints. Um, but for me, the other thing apart from exercise, giving you a clear mind so you can think better, uh, you can read more. I think the other big thing is I feel that it is a key component to dealing with the stress of meeting deadlines, uh, solving complexity, working in large teams across different countries. To me, it's also sharper mind, but like I'm just more chill, Mark. Mm, yeah, well, anxiety, stress, those are all forms of energy, aren't they? Mm, you know, if you yeah. haven't you haven't burned the way that I like to think about it. It's almost like you're simmering down a pot of, you know, sauce. Mm. <laughs> when you're putting it on the stove for a while, it sort of allows to evaporate off. For me, I, I think of my body in a, in a similar way. Uh, listeners, please bear with me as I try to explain what I mean. Uh, <laughs> if I'm, if I haven't been on, uh, the, the burn, so to speak, if I haven't been burning energy through exercise, whether it's stretching or running or whatever, um, I feel like I'm still full of that negative energy of anxiety, yeah. stress, yeah. Of feelings of being overwhelmed. And, and I totally agree. For me, exercise is the way to expel that, to put it, it into is. positive. Yeah, I love this idea that you, you're talking about, like switching bad energy to, to good energy and just burning it, simmering off that, that bad energy. And um, the great thing about James Clear is he's got thoughts on how to actually attack and go after bad habits. And, you know, the crazy thing is, um, you know, he, he talks about breaking bad habits and I'm, I'm so, so obsessed with positive habits that I haven't spent nearly enough time thinking about bad habits. So let's jump in to author James Clear and finding out about bad habits and how we can deal with them. We actually have like three options for breaking bad habits. So the first option is to reduce exposure. Um, so something like, you know, if you want to stop spending so much money on electronics, then don't follow all the latest tech review blogs, you know, like you're, or if you want to lose weight, don't follow a bunch of food bloggers on Instagram. Um, you're constantly being triggered by that and having to like overcome the prompts. Now that doesn't always work, but if you can cut a habit off at the source, then a lot of the time, like the craving won't arise uh, naturally. So in atomic habits in the book, I talk a little bit about this woman who she smoked while she was in college and she would always smoke while riding horses with a friend. And so eventually at some point she quit smoking uh, and she's also stopped, you know, like seeing that friend and graduated from college and so on, wasn't riding horses. And then like 10 years later, 
she got back on a horse for the first time and suddenly craved a cigarette. And, um, she was like, what is going on here? And it's your habits are often tied to a context. They're tied to a situation or some kind of cue. And so if you can reduce exposure to that cue, then in many cases, the craving won't arise. So that's the first option for breaking a bad habit. The second option, which kind of sucks, but is like to sit with the craving long enough to like, let this wave of desire ride itself out. And so you basically just resist temptation. Um, it's possible. It's easier if, um, if your hand is forced, if you use what I call a commitment device. So brief story real quick, Victor Hugo, um, famous author who wrote like Hunchback of Notre Dame and a bunch of other things. Well, when he got the book deal for Hunchback of Notre Dame, he just procrastinated for like a year. He hosts a bunch of house parties, has friends over. He went traveling for a little while. He he, yeah. He, he, <laughs> like, he got the book deal. He did nothing, no work. Um, and uh, eventually his publisher got pissed off. They were like, you know, can you please like actually work on this? And so they set this ultimatum for him and they said, uh, we're going to, we're going to cancel the book in six months if you don't have it done by then. And so he, um, he got his assistant to come in, put all his clothes into a chest and they locked him up and took him out of the house. And the only thing he was left with was like this, this shawl, this like large robe. So basically he had no clothes that were suitable for hosting guests or for leaving the house or like going on trips or anything else. So he more or less put himself on house arrest. Um, and what ended up happening was each time procrastination arose, he was able to kind of sit with that feeling and let it ride because he didn't really have many other options and then get back to work on the book. And it ended up working. He got the book done like two weeks early, but things like that, where you can lock in your future action and it, it becomes really hard to go to your friend's party or go out to, you know, travel to a different place or whatever. Um, just because you don't have the option. If you can increase the friction, then sometimes you can sit with the craving of a bad habit and let it ride out. I, I, you're right. Going back to your point before that last clip, Mike, it's, it's quite confronting when we think about our bad habits because they can be anything from having your friends around too regularly or, you know, not focusing on the problem for enough time and being distracted. I mean, I, I, I like what, what James Clear is telling us here in terms of addressing them. Um, but it's it's sort of a challenge to actually figure out what they are. <laughs> yeah. So so my first reaction to that clip is I certainly see myself um, doing things like I will block out a morning um, together with you or an evening with one of the team in Europe if we if we've got a deliverable coming up and I feel like we really need to get set into something. Um, like I'll just cancel everything and just go deep. And this idea of protecting myself from interruption, um, locking myself away in the study to produce work when required is definitely a habit uh, that I've created in order to avoid getting distracted or, or whatever. But let's try and go a little bit deeper. Uh, let's think about how we work. Um, and I've, I've not really done the exercise of thinking about something that I do at work, which is a bad habit, something that is um, calling, uh, calling myself out. And I mean, I was blown away when James Clear was telling that story of the woman getting back on the horse. Wasn't that crazy? 10 years later, she hasn't had a cigarette and she gets on a horse cravings instantly. Isn't that crazy? you the context i mean to help um to help you um yeah I'll, I'll turn the mic on myself for a second for me when i'm at work and i think this actually bridges a little bit to that first example with with the lady on the horse when i'm in a stressful situation at work my bad habit would be to point mental fingers and i'll think ah oh, i i feel under pressure i feel stress whose fault is it Mm. And I, I think the, the, the behavior that I have is thinking, okay, well, it must be so-and-so or it must mm. be a person over there, or maybe it's a partner mm. or a client, whatever it might be mm. Mm. that, that I think is my bad habit. And that's my initial, uh, gut reaction. Yeah. I've got that one. Yeah. yeah. I suffer. I suffer for, from, from that one. And, and maybe, um, being too quick. To, to judge, which has been something I've always uh, struggled with. So l let's work out this, this 
you know, blaming others, judging others. Like how would we, what would we do if we were to follow James Clear's recommendation? Because he, he had some pretty clear points there. Yeah, I, I like the, the context one. So when mm. we are experiencing a cue or a context, mm. similar to getting back on the horse, and for, for my example, it would be in a stressful situation. Maybe a deadline is looming or the deliverables aren't quite right. Instead of me pointing a mental finger, I think the proactive way of turning that negative energy into a, a slightly better habit would be, okay, well, that's fine. This is where we are. How can I improve it? What can I do now to raise it up a little bit and not, in, in that example, uh, start partying with my friends and not writing the hunchback of Notre Dame or <laughs> starting to smoke? Instead, what's the proactive thing that I can do? So recognizing that context, mm. I think, is, mm. is probably the first step. Yeah, and I think uh, one of the things I try to do with, you know, judgment and is I really try to say, say, okay, what can I do to change the situation? Um, and something I've mentioned before is I always try and go, okay, like if I was their manager or their coach, uh, what advice would I give to the person in order to help them? Um, as well. And I, I think learning these sorts of th uh, ways to break bad habits, I think another one would be just before you say and do anything, um, you know, one of the famous uh, Roman emperors was given the advice of before making a decision, say the alphabet, <laughs> <laughs> just to force him not to just, just to, you know, immediately jump off into a decision, but forcing them to pause and think. Um, it's interesting because I find this quite disruptive and it, it's a real note to self to spend more time really asking myself, what are my bad habits and, you know, how, how do I start to identify them and, and how do I address them? I, I think the, the boldest and scariest thing would be to ask others much like yourself to say, Hey, what are the bad habits? Come on, hit me, hit me with them. Um, I think that's got to be. That's got to be a good start, don't you? Yeah, absolutely. And, and listeners out there, maybe if you're feeling inspired by James and empowered by uh, what, what Atomic Habits has, has got us learning, feel free to send us a, a, a very honest email to hello at moonshots.io. We won't call you out, don't worry. Um, but if you'd like to put it into action and write something down, feel free to get in touch because we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Thank you. So let's, let's now think about the next step in this process. We've awakened the mind and body. We've identified some bad habits, but now it's kind of starting to move into how can we master this? And what's really interesting about James Clear is he points out that experience has a really big role to play in how we build our expertise. So Let's have a listen now to author James Clear talking about experience. The way you develop expertise is by writing about it every week. So I wrote a, a new article about habits every Monday and Thursday for three years. And that was how I developed the expertise on the topic was you, by yeah, writing about you it. You did research. Right. And you said, here's what I found. Here's what I tried. Here's what worked, what didn't work. It's a combination of me reading the scientific literature and reading the research and then trying to distill the practical insights from that and testing things out in my own life as a weightlifter, a travel photographer, a writer, an entrepreneur, and seeing what that looks like. And then the two together. And I think you need both. Like, I don't want to be some new age version of an academic who's in an ivory tower, just like theorizing about ideas. It's different what it looks like to put ideas into practice, mm -hmm. right? Like imagine you're a peak performance coach and you show up to a coach like an MBA team. These guys are like, dude, you need to step on the court if you know what, right? To see what it's actually like. Hmm. Intention and hard work. That's it. It's funny that the, the clip ends similar to what you were saying, Mike, about thinking as a manager as a, as a, a team mm. leader or a coach, you know, that that's funny that the clip ends like that actually. So we'll come back to that. But for me, that clip's all around. If you've got a clear intention and you're not afraid to work hard, that's when you can achieve expertise. It's that experience putting in the yards, so to speak, that gets you into that level. 
Yeah, and to break it down even further, he's basically doing a test and learn prototype um, sort of mental model here, which is, you know, read the theory, but then you have to go and apply it. And I think that, you know, habits are all uniquely personal. For example, I, uh, I've i seen a lot of these uh, habit-forming apps and, you know, if we're building a product that kind of calls on some of this, I'll go and play with them. But for me, all I need is a Todoist, which is simply a task manager, your to-do list. And I just have recurring daily to-do items in there. And that's all I need for habit forming. Others respond well to writing things down. Some people have positive affirmations. Some people have these, um, you know, fancy uh, apps. Whatever works is is my philosophy, but I think his challenge to us is go read all the Simon Sinek's and James Clear's in the world, but have a deliberate effort to test the ideas in your real life. So I love that he was writing on Mondays and Thursdays, but he would read a theory and then test it for a couple of days and come back and write more around that theory. And sort of, I think that is a very powerful lesson. If you're going to build a habit Read, get some inspiration, but then run all your little mini tests, uh, pilot projects, and you know, tweak away and fine tune it, make it iterative. I think that's the call to action, don't you? Yeah, totally. I mean, for me, I've uh, taken inspiration from the way that we use Todoist in our work lives, and I've done a similar thing to you. I've set up a daily reminder to myself to exercise, to write. And actually, as an observation, I'm uh, probably ticking off a lot more of the exercise piece, but less so of the writing piece. So when I say writing, Mm. I mean a journal. And actually, for me, what I've realized is maybe this isn't the best way to do it. I've tested it for a couple Mm. of weeks and I haven't stuck to it. So now what I'm going to be looking for is maybe there is a different way to inspire or drive my focus around writing. Now, what's very powerful about these daily experiences, these daily, you know, getting into this ritual and habit design of doing it every day is that if you do have this list written down, I'm just going to do these five things every single day. I'm going to stretch, I'm going to do yoga, I'm going to read for half an hour, whatever it is. What's really interesting is when you've had a really busy day um, and you just return to the list. What's very powerful for me is I'll often go to this list and I've been using this practice for years. I go back to the list and go, oh, I didn't do this or I forgot to do this. Or the beauty is that I can always return to the list to remind me of the daily experiences that I want to have, the daily rituals that I want to build. So it's this ultimate backup. Um, because you can just return to the list. And I think if you really want to be in this for the long term, um, you've got to practice it daily and have the right tools that remind you, that prompt you, that trigger you to make your habit daily. This this is really key because what happens is that you become so addicted to it, much like the exercise in the morning thing, the cold shower in the morning thing, or whatever your ritual is, when you don't do it, you really miss it. And then you realize how much it positively informs your state of mind. And if we want to talk about state of mind, the one thing, Mark, is James Clear makes the point that this is a long-term game that we're playing, right? Oh, absolutely. And we'll, we'll come on to a great clip um, later on that definitely reinforces that. But it- what we'll, uh, what we'll listen into now is James Clear telling us a little bit about how we can um, challenge ourselves right now. So similar to what you were just saying, Mike, how do we uh, change our behaviors day to day and how do we uh, inspire ourselves to new behaviors? So this is uh, James Clear telling us about how to change the game and stay stimulated. So occasionally, 
and this is true for everybody. If you live long enough, life will come for you at some point, right? Like something's going to happen. Um, so occasionally life will stress you, but when life doesn't challenge you, I think it's important to challenge yourself because otherwise you're just living in this optimal environment, air conditioning, and you know, everything else is super easy. You can get all the information in the world at your fingertips. You never have to like, if you think about how crazy just eating is in the modern world. So previously when we lived in tribes, you, you had to expend energy to get calories. Um, at a minimum you were foraging for berries, but otherwise you probably had to like run something down and kill it or part of a group hunt or all kinds of other things. Now you can get calories without expending any, all you have to do is just tap like Uber eats on your phone or something. It'll show up at your door. Um, and you can just sit on the couch, which is of course like a recipe for uh, poor health, but also just it's the game has completely changed. Now we've transcended a lot of our evolutionary programming and natural, um, situations. And so you need to be careful about designing that to serve you rather than to work against you because it can very easily nudge you in the other direction. That is so good. Now, this is really interesting because this directly relates to Wim Hof, but this is sort of a new emergent idea that we're seeing in the habit design series. And I really like this idea. I want to explore it more, which is James Clear is basically telling us it's actually really worth having a healthy tension in your life. It's um, very good to be challenging yourself, having some stretch goals, making yourself a bit uncomfortable. I loved this analogy of like, you can literally without expand, expending a single calorie, you can order a ton of calories. Now, if you compare that to the effort that cavemen went to in order just to get a few berries or, or to, to hunt down some meat, the point here for me is what I have this growing awareness of, and I really relate to it, is sourcing um, actually incorporating healthy stretch goals that challenge you, that make you a bit uncomfortable. So you're learning. And I, and I think Joe Rogan said it really well, embrace the discomfort. And uh, as, as James Clear painted that picture of the zero calorie acquisition of calories, I, I mean, it's so true, but I'm wondering, Mark, what, what has this got you thinking on how you might keep challenging yourself, get out of the, as James Clear would say, get out of the air conditioning for a moment, uh, burn some calories to get some. How do you process this into something you might do to keep challenging yourself, Mark? Yeah, it's true. Challenges come in a lot of way, ways, I guess. And I think, you know, similar to the, to the list that I mentioned a minute ago, exercise and writing, I think the writing piece seems for me at least a little bit uncomfortable because I don't really know what I'm doing. I wouldn't know where to start. Maybe it's a little bit too personal or revealing, but actually to use, to coin your phrase, the stretch goals, that's exactly what it is. It's learning something new, whether it's something I do personally or something I do during my day-to-day -day work. You know, all of these, I love the idea of creating daily goals that make me feel uncomfortable. Exercise, mm. I loved exercising. So I'm happy to tick that off most days, but actually having uh, repeating moments of my day that challenge me, that, that feels pretty exciting, actually uncomfortable. You know, I have a, a tick an uncomfortable conversation off the list or, mm. um, spend 30 minutes learning something really, really hard that you've been putting off, yeah. you know, holding yourself accountable to actually yeah. finish I, the task. I think there's really something in simple mantras like listen to a new song every day, you know, read one news analysis or opinion piece a day. Um, and the, the, just small things you could do every single day just to stimulate the, uh, the neurons to uh, to get all the atoms moving around as James Clear would want. I think this idea of challenging, keeping yourself really challenged with stretch goals. I mean, obviously one of the things uh, a lot of our listeners might see this in is it's the classic thing is when the grandparents or the parents retire and they're not introducing any challenge into their life anymore. Their world becomes a bit small. And on the opposite side, when you meet 
a retiree who's out there exercising, contributing to society, socializing, the the stark difference you see in people like that. Maybe that's one use case. I think the other thing is when you see people who've been in roles for years, maybe decades, and who are so comfortable that they are almost bored, right? Um, So I think it's all about trying to find some balance between the healthy stretch goals, you know, and giving your time to yourself to rejuvenate. Um, If there was one thing you could start doing each day tomorrow, that would be something new, introduce a little bit of stretch for yourself, Mark. What do you think that would be for you if you were to get inspired by James Clear? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a good one. It's a good one. I think it's got to be uh, current affairs, perhaps. So staying a little bit more on top of maybe it's politics, maybe it's business ideas, something that's yeah. a little bit, um, let's say I'm, I'm quite au fait with reading articles that interest me, as I'm sure everybody is, but maybe a very, very simple addition to my day that would take maybe less than five minutes is to read a couple of articles from a website that I wouldn't normally go to. Maybe it's mm. more financial. Maybe it's more political. That seems to me very, yeah. very easy to achieve um, and quite nice to slip into the routine. It's funny you say that because I would like to read more uh, business uh, news and analysis. Um, and my problem is, is that I have a ritual of adding articles to my Insta paper to read later. And then my Insta paper reading list is like worse than my Netflix watch list. <laughs> <laughs> it's just chock a block of things <laughs> that, that uh, that's so I'm going to try that too. So um, while we're busy trying to read up on the affairs of the world, uh, Mark, where should all of our wonderful listeners where should they go if they want to tune into our back catalogue, uh, connect to our social, get our newsletter? Where on earth should they go? You want to hear Mike and I talk about some tips and tricks and cover a lot of very interesting innovators and what they've got to teach us. Head on over to www.moonshots.io for all of our archive shows. At this point, you'll find 84 jam-packed episodes and uh, how all of them have transcriptions, show notes, all sorts of mantras. There's a heap of content online that you'll find at moonshots.io. Sounds sounds wonderful. So just to set the stage, we've had um, like powerhouse um, five clips in a row. They're all about behavior and mindset change. We've had this awakening between mind and body. We've tackled some of those nasty habits. I mean, that story of that woman getting back on a horse 10 years later and craving a cigarette was ridiculous. Uh, And what we've also discovered is, you know, we've got to practice. We can't just read the theory. We've got to practice it. And if we do that, we'll be on the way up. And as we're ascending, we should never stop. Always keep challenging yourself, introducing new behaviors, new habits. Now, we're going to segue into a world of study, research, and some data and some great um, analysis that James Clear has done around habit design. And what's interesting about James Clear is he's very similar to Jim Collins, who we recently did on the show, um, in going to the data, going to the research. And this seems to be a big theme to the best authors that we cover, doesn't it, Mark? It really does. Jim Collins, as well as Adam Grant, you know, taking a look at a lot of- Renee Brown. Renee Brown, exactly. I, I think I'm getting the impression that we love data, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> we? We love it when our innovators don't just have a point of view, but they back it up with loads and loads of data. So the next section of the show, we're going to listen to a couple of experiments and studies that James Clear has, has uh, unveiled and, and looked into to draw some of his insights and and comparisons. So in the first one we're going to check out, it's all about uh, keeping control by planning ahead. So we're going to hear James tell a little bit of a story about how to make sure you set the intention in order to make that change. 
One of my favorite studies is about exercise. And they had three cohorts in this study. So they have the first cohort, they said, I just want you to track how often you work out over the next few weeks, right? So that's the, the um, standard cohort, the control group. Second group, they said, we want you to track how often you exercise, but we're also gonna give you a motivation, motivational speech presentation, talk about the benefits of heart health, why habits are good for you, and so on. So this is the motivated group, right? The third group, they got the same presentation, so they were equally motivated, and then they did one thing differently. And that one thing was they filled out this sentence. They said, during the next week, I will partake in at least 20 minutes of vigorous exercise on this day, in this at this time, in this place, right? They specifically stated their intention to implement the behavior. So implementation, intention. Here's what happened. First group, one out of three of them worked out. Second group, motivation did nothing. As soon as they left the researcher's facility the next day, they weren't motivated. It's like reading a book or watching a YouTube or listening to a motivational speaker and then you forget all about it 20 minutes later. Um, but the third group, the group that had a specific plan for how they were gonna implement the behavior, nine out of 10 of them worked out. So you can increase your odds of success two to three X just by having a specific plan. And this is the insight. Many people think that they lack motivation when what they really lack is clarity. They think that they need to get more motivated, that they need willpower in order to execute on a habit. If I just felt like writing, if I just felt like meditating, if I felt like working out, then I would do it. But in fact, they don't have a plan for it, and so they wake up each day thinking, I wonder if I'll feel motivated to write today. I wonder if I'll feel motivated to work out today. But instead, you can take the decision-making out of it by explicitly stating when, where, and how you want to implement the habit. It sounds easy to say, let's just start a plan, let's you know, write down exactly what you should do, and then maybe you'll follow through on it. But of course, we all know that there are challenges that are Rise, it's not quite that easy. So here's a little strategy that I like to use to make sure you can come up with a better plan of action, and it's called a failure pre-mortem. So the way that it works is you think about the habit, the project, the goal, whatever the most important thing is that you want to work on, and I want you to imagine, fast forward six months from now, and you failed and then tell the story of why you failed. What happened? What challenges did you encounter? What was it that took you off course? Um, when I do this with businesses, sometimes we call it the kill the company exercise because everybody just sits around and thinks about ways to kill the company in the next six months. And uh, once you have all that stuff laid out on the table in front of you, you can start to make better choices about how to develop a plan. You can start to have if-then plans. So not only do I want to exercise for 20 minutes on Monday at 5 p.m., but also if I do not exercise because I have to take my kid to practice or whatever, then Tuesday morning at 7 a.m. I will go in, right? You can have ways to adjust for these challenges. Wow, Mark, I believe this is, I don't know if we are going to have a formal award for clip of the show, but <laughs> this one, oh man, this is, this one's the real deal. Let, let me, let me riff on this one for a bit. I completely see myself in this story that James Clear told. Simple example. I was running two, two days ago. And I realized after 30 minutes of running that I hadn't decided before how long I would run for. And then I was like, oh, well, will I do 45 minutes or an hour? I'm not sure. Um, and what's really interesting is how this kind of put me in a flux because it's a simple decision, but it was about the intention um, and it was really interesting just to be jogging on going, Oh, having a little running crisis here is at 45 or an hour, but I'll tell you where I really, really see this is the night before I need to do something to deliver something. I always do it best. I always perform at my best and get the job done when I make a clear intention the night before. If I do anything before lunchtime tomorrow, I will deliver X, Y, Z. And here's the interesting thing. I notice little uh, side effects because if I really manifest this intention, maybe writing it down, planning my agenda, whatever it takes, I will wake naturally at an early time because somehow, deep in my subconscious, I have laid this intention. And so what I notice is when I don't do that, is maybe I sleep a little longer, or maybe I allow other things to get in before I do this main thing, like I procrastinate. 
So it's so powerful as a practice to say to yourself, what's the one thing I'm going to do tomorrow? And if you focus on that before wrapping up for the night, chilling out and then hitting bed, if you really manifest that intention, you'll be amazed at what happens in the morning. You're like a freight train that is getting the job done. And I can tell you, Mark, I don't always remember to do this. I don't always get it right. And I see the difference. It's all about the intention. How did you process this big one-two from, from James Clear? It's, it's pretty confronting. It's pretty confronting, but actually I totally agree with it. And I totally agree with your setting an intention the night before. We've spoken about it on the show in previous episodes, and it's so perfect that it's been brought up in this show about James Clear. Because my uh, very simple example, I'll, I'll paint a simple picture. If I haven't set that intention the night before, whether the intention, let's say exercise, whether it's yoga or um, some kind of hit workout or a run, I'll get up and my, my head is, is kind of foggy. I, I just stand around for a bit. I'll look around. I'll think, well, do I want to put on my trainers? What's the weather like? Let me check the rain forecast. And what ends up happening is that procrastination or dig into the time that I could have turned uh, myself around, gone for a nice run, probably at the time of my life out in the Sydney dawn air. <laughs> but instead, I'll stand around, maybe wear my slippers thinking, hmm, what do I do? <laughs> and, and, and it's true. And the reason is I haven't laid out my kit the night before or I haven't decided yeah. before I go to bed so that as soon as I wake up, I know what I'm doing. And I am 100% a believer in this intention setting style or this method that both you as well as James Clear are saying here. And for me, I, I also like this, if then, then what? So if I wake up and it is raining, okay, well, what's the backup plan? No dramas. Yeah. It's this ability to, to change and flow with the punches that I really like from that clip. That's, that's a I nice like, tip. I like how he, how he challenges and say, do the kill the company exercise. Like what would, if, if you need to get your intentions right, ask yourself, what will happen if I don't do them, right? If I don't commit to these habits, um, if I don't set the intentions, well, what happens? Sometimes, you know, that, that uh, negative uh, case motivation can work hard. It's, you know, look at Michael Jordan. He often got his intention his motivation was derived from the competition with others. It, he needed an external factor. So sometimes that can be rather than the upside, you can look at the downside, the fear of losing, if you will, uh, can sometimes motivate us. But what's really fascinating is in this next clip, James Clear builds on this idea and he puts forward a really interesting story uh, that relates to how goals and systems relate to each other and how we can use them. So once again, let's have a listen to the author of Atomic Habits, Mr. James Clear. Most people are familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan stopping along the side of the road to help, uh, help a fallen person, help someone in need. Well, Princeton, their theology school decided to run this uh, experiment. They brought in a bunch of theology students. They said, all right, we're all familiar with the story of the Good Samaritan. We're going to break you up into groups and you're going to go teach in different rooms across campus. You're going to teach this story. And so they started talking about, you know, how they were going to deliver the presentation and so on. And they had a couple different cohorts. The one cohort, they said, all right, just go ahead and, you know, go off and, uh, and deliver the presentation. So they went off to their rooms. Um, the second one, though, they did something interesting. They sent the group off, but on their way to the, uh, well, they sent the group off and they said, by the way, we're running a little bit behind, right? You, you don't have very long to get there. It takes about 10 minutes. You only got five, so we kind of need to hurry. Um, you're probably already going to be late. So they're in a rush. They know they're going to go give this presentation. On the way, they planted an actor on the, uh, on the campus, and this actor is laying on the ground, hurt, moaning in pain. And so they scream twice, and then they cry out. And every single group 
went right past the person in need to go give a presentation about helping a person in need. Right? The one person even stepped over the guy who was in pain in order to get there. Now, the point of this, and what I'd like to start talking about now, is the danger of being goal-focused and goal-oriented. These people had a goal, right, to deliver a presentation. And they were so one-sided, so narrow-minded, so focused on that goal that they missed the bigger picture and the perspective of what they should have been doing in the first place. And I think that this can be a danger of goals often. And so instead, I would like to encourage us to focus on systems. Systems rather than goals. Here's some examples. If you're a coach, your goal is to win a championship, but your system is what your team does at practice each day. If you're a writer, your goal might be to write a book, maybe even write a best-selling book, but your system is how you write each week, the schedule that you follow. If you're an entrepreneur, your goal could be to build a million-dollar business or a $10 million business, but the system is the sales and marketing process that you have. The systems are what actually make the difference. They're what drive the results. And what I've seen, having goals is great. Having a vision, having a dream is nice. It's important to know where you're going and where you're headed. It's important to have some clarity of focus, to know that we're moving in this direction. But once you know that, having the goal on paper makes very little difference. And committing to the system and showing up every day drives a lot of results. So the goal is the destination, but what really, really matters is how you're going to get there. It's so good. It's a good t contender for the second most valuable clip of the show, I reckon. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah. For me, uh, it's such a good um, build, this idea of missing the bigger picture. We're so con uh, confronted. We're so focused on losing weight, getting a six-pack, being the fastest person we know, delivering an amazing uh, uh, career-defining pitch, whatever it might be, actually the bigger picture is, okay, well, what, what are techniques, what methods, what processes do I go through to get there? And for, for me, and I, I think this is, and you all agree, Mike, exactly what James is telling us, once you've built those uh, processes, those systems, that's what will make the biggest value over time. Those will create the change that you're probably chasing by setting a goal. Don't you mm. think? I think like, the um, the difference. The is... I think the I think the difference uh, that he's pointing out is we we can all have big ideas, um, big goals, lofty goals, um, but the. Um, the real thing here is he's saying the difference is made in the systems, much like we learned from Michael Jordan. You can want to be the best, but he was first to training, last to leave. And uh, it's like the Einstein uh, uh, thing that, um, you know, 1% inspiration, 99% perspiration is the formula for success. I think these are all related ideas that if you have goals, turn your attention. And I'm thinking at an atomic level, James Clear wants us to create daily rituals, habits, or systems that help us get to the, those goals. And I think um, if we've got all of this ambition and desire to do great things, frame that goal but then devote yourself, plow yourself into the systems, the rituals and the habits. I think this is perhaps the biggest uh, idea alongside of this. It's not motivation that we're missing, but it's this lack of clarity that we heard him talking about in the previous clip. Put these two together. If you get this clarity on the system, You'll achieve the goals and you'll have no problem with motivation. What do you think, Mark? That's exactly it. Motivation is a dangerous word, especially when you're waking up and you don't feel uh, you're relying on motivation. That's not the way to achieve those, those goals, those ultimate um, destinations you're trying to get to. Instead, focus on that bigger picture. That's such a great takeaway. And it really reinforces the to-doist approach, the setting the intention approach. Those are your motivations. And that's what I'll be taking away from this episode and installing mm. those little systems in order to <laughs> achieve that big, big goal of why am I doing it? 
I, I think that's great. Well, talking about motivation in this final clip from James Clear, I think he's giving us not only a system, but he's giving us the motivation too. So let's, for one last time, hear from the author James Clear and let's find what he has to say about how long does it take to build a new habit? Let's bust the myth of how many days it takes to set a habit <laughs> because there's 14 days, 28 days, 60 days, yeah. a year. Right. If you do something every single day, and maybe it changes for each person, but what's the science or the, uh, the statistics say about how long it takes to form a positive or negative habit, I guess? So 21 days is the thing you hear all the time, 30 days, 100 days, whatever. Right now, 66 days is making the rounds is the latest. I saw time. that in another book. What was that book? Well, there was one study done that found that 66 days was the average uh, for how long it takes. And as a rule of thumb, I don't think it's terrible. Like you should remind yourself, yeah, this is going to be months of work. It's not just going to yeah. be something quick. But even within that study, the range was quite wide. So if you did something simple, like drink a glass of water at lunch each day, it would take like three weeks. If you yeah. did something more difficult, like go for a run after work every day, that would be like seven or eight months. But I think actually that question to begin with is sort of a, there's like a broken mentality the behind wrong it. question. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Because if you ask that question, the implicit assumption is, when do I have to stop working? Or when, when is this done? Um, and, and is it automatic after a certain period of time? Well, the honest answer to how long it takes to build a new habit is forever. Because if you stop, then it's no longer a habit. It's a constant choice and a decision, right? I think people often look at habits as like a finish line to be crossed, but it's actually a lifestyle to be lived. Mm. And if you look at it as a lifestyle change, then you're saying, you know, okay, okay, what's something small and sustainable I can stick to, right? What's something that can actually last over time? Mm the lifetime commitment <laughs> it's it's so true when you think right a habit i'm gonna quit smoking that moment of quitting that could come after a week that could come after a day perhaps but it's that's not going to be the end of it is it it's a lifetime no. habit to promise to yourself and commit to something where you're either going to repeat it or not repeat it and i think james clear he's he's living into his own name here He's being crystal clear about habits. They aren't something that you can just adopt and then throw away. You have to live to it day in, day out. And I think that's, that's empowering to me. What do you think, Mike? Yeah, I, I like this, this very frank answer. And he's like, well, it sort of takes forever to be very frank. <laughs> I like this because... To me, it speaks to this uh, broader theme of making change really at an atomic level inside of yourself. And uh, like perfection, you never really finish the job. You just keep working on it. And that's why it's so important to be working on things that matter to you, that are a part of your dreams and your vision for yourself. You're doing, you're following your effort you're going through the ups and downs because you truly want to achieve the things you've set out to do. You're not a passenger in life. You're in the driving seat. I think this really connects to just realizing the very best version of yourself and having this belief in the infinite potential that lies within us and that we can just keep working and keep improving all the time. Whew. What a big set of clips, Mark. I mean, have we covered some ground or what? Yeah, we really have. It's been, it's been illuminating. It, James Clear's work is, is really, really relatable. It's quite practical. But at the same time, he breaks things down in really, really, um, you know, quite, quite simple to understand ways. So I've, I've really enjoyed getting into him. He's, he's reinforced a lot of the topics that we've spoken about before around uh, intentions, encouragement, personal ownership, I think comes in a lot through all of this. Um, what's, what's, the biggest, what's the biggest lesson that you've taken from this episode, do you think, Mike? Yeah. I, I mean, to me, James Clear has just been like one huge wake up call, you know, if it was a bucket of cold water, we got in the last show, we got another serve of it on this one. Um, I could probably do 
more work on setting my intentions, continuously reviewing the, the systems and working on them, working in the system, working on the system. Um, yeah, these the last three clips really spoke to me. Um, and, and it's just exciting to, for the proposition that we can always grow. I mean, he even talked about the idea, look, listen, if you exercise and read books, you're basically going to be superwoman or superman. Like it doesn't matter <laughs> because if you read, you can fix anything and you exercise, you'll be in the right state to get the job done. So a spectrum of gifts, Mark, how good was that? So, so good. I'm going to be going to bed tonight, setting myself a great intention for tomorrow morning. Who knows what it'll be? Maybe it'll be writing uh, for a change. Maybe it'll be exercise. No, you got you got to read a news article, Mark. Come on, stay. Go. I'm going to keep you on track, man. Yeah, thank you. That's good. That's good. Keep me accountable. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's it's been great, Mark. Thank you for for helping me decode the world of Atomic Habits, the book by James Clear. It's been really wonderful to share uh, these sometimes uncomfortable, sometimes practical, sometimes inspiring. Uh, It was just a full bevy from James Clear. So thank you to you, Mark. And thank you to you, all of our listeners. Thank you for joining us on this journey of behavior and mindset change. I hope you're all going to go out there, set the intention and create the systems, not just for today, not just for tomorrow, but for well beyond. And whether you're listening in Mexico, Austria, Slovakia, or some other cozy part of the world, I hope you're enjoying this journey into learning from innovators. And as Mark and I go on this journey, we're so excited to share it with you, to get your feedback. So always drop in at moonshots.io. Tell us what you're thinking, who you'd like us to cover, and make sure you've got a nifty user handle. So whether it's dragons or bullion, uh, we thank you for spending this time with us here on the Moonshots podcast. That's a wrap.